welcome everyone to the Site Beyond Site podcast, where we look beyond the surface, diving deeper into life's issues. I am Mike Brown, your health and wellness coach. And as always, I want to thank you, thank you, thank you all for choosing to spend your time with me. I know that you could be doing other things or listening to someone else, but you chose to tune into the Site Beyond Site podcast. And for that, I am very, very grateful. I am also grateful that you have chosen to join us for the second part of a three-part series called the foundational man series the first part was very explosive we had a nice little turnout some awesome information and we're still gonna bring the heat all right so we we talked heavily about the men in the first one now we are focusing on the men but we also have a little something for the women so please keep your ears to the street keep your eyes peeled get your pen and paper ready to take some note and with that being said let's create some freshwater moments you guys i am happy to be here for another week for the fourth season of the site beyond site podcast who would have thought i did not imagine that i would be here for the fourth season of the Site Beyond Site podcast. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long road. It's been a, a, a tedious road at times. It's been a treacherous road at times, but there's been a lot of joy and happiness that has gone along with this. So everything in the end has been worth it. And I'm so happy that you guys have been along for the ride with me. And I'm so happy for the support. I'm also happy that we get to start this thing off with a bang. Because ultimately, what we're here to do, we're here to make a difference in this world. We're make, here to make a difference in the lives of others, being selfless, putting others' needs before yourself. So that's a hard thing to do. We cannot do that all on our own. We, we need, we need an a, a extra hand, a greater hand to come in and to help us. So I'm thankful that we have uh, that extra hand in Jesus Christ to help us get through those times and to help us have the, the focus to be on the right path. But before we get started, we're going to jump right in here. But before we got, get started, I want to let you guys know that I have been able to expand uh, the help that you may need. I've expanded the coaching that you may need. Uh, globally. So anyone, it is accessible to anyone. So if you are in a funk, maybe you're in a little fog and you need a little clarity, maybe you need a, a little renovation. You just need to knock down some walls and rebuild some walls, add some new windows, or maybe you need a full restoration. Maybe you have been going through the hurricane and your foundation has been busted up and you need to start from square one. Whatever level of coaching you may need, for your health and your wellness and to get back on your path. It is available to you. And here's the thing that is so awesome. If you go to beyondsitewellness.com, you can click on the free consultation and you can schedule your free consultation with me. And we can do that through video or if you're, we can do that by video conferencing. It's secure, it's everything. Or we could do it by phone. If you're locally in the area, which I have been doing, we can, we can do that face-to-face. It depends on wherever you're at and how you want to do that, but the video conferencing is open and we can do that. So it is available. 
The free consultation is an hour plus, so it's not a 15-minute gig, all right? We, we're really trying to get down to build a relationship and get to the nitty-gritty so we can understand how we both operate so we can make a, a valuable plan for you. So with that being said, let's jump into this series, all right? So we are in part two of the Foundational Man series. In part one, we discussed a lot of things. We discussed the influences. When are we influenced and where do we form our ideas of what makes a man? And that begins at a young age. Remember, I told you, I started to form my idea of what a man should be and what, it should look, what he should look like at the age of five, watching cartoons, watching uh, workout shows and reading magazines and seeing how my dad moved and presented himself. I was thinking that you had to have big muscles and lift weights and be strong and, and be kind and, uh, you know, look good to feel good, you know, be the leader of, 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 a of a kingdom. I was thinking all of these things were necessary to be a man. Now, as I grew older, I started to recognize that some of those were some falsehoods. And when do you recognize these falsehoods? Well, if you don't have a strong foundational man that is around you, that it might be your father or your coach or whoever it may be, if you are growing up in a, in a household without a foundational man, it's going to be more difficult. You're going to find some of these falsehoods from your friends and from other people that have not built themselves on a, on a strong foundation. Some people don't know any better because they haven't learned and they some people just go by their their negative experiences that they've had. They they don't have the knowledge or the wisdom and some people just blatantly don't care and they want to bring you down. Because misery likes company, right? So now that we've discovered that we have so many influences and we we've come to understand that being a foundational man, it is important for you to be out there and be active, not just in your household, but with every young man that you encounter. You cannot afford to sit back and say, this is not my problem. You cannot afford to keep your knowledge and your wisdom for yourself or just your family. Because this situation, this, this epidemic is impacting all of our neighborhoods. It may not have reached the level that is uncomfortable yet in your neighborhood, but it's coming. It's coming. And what are we going to do to stop this? And that's why we need these foundational men, men to come together. So I want to break down in this series right now the qualities of a foundational man. Because if we're saying that we need foundational men, well, we need to know where to look and we need to know what we're looking for to be at the head of this situation. So where do we start? Well, if you look in Galatians 5.22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Now, the fruit of the Spirit, 
the fruit of the Holy Spirit, you will find these things. And when you find men that are intertwined with the branches of the Holy Spirit, you will find these qualities. You see, we think that these qualities are accessible to us just by default. We think that we can will ourselves into these qualities. We think that if we uh, have enough money, we can buy ourselves joy and happiness. We can, if we look good enough, that someone will love us. We think that if we live in a nice neighborhood, we will find our peace. We think that if we give money to charities, that will show that we're kind. But we have discovered that with man alone, we cannot do these things. It's short-lived, and we're going to go through some scriptures that are going to show this piece by piece by piece. So what I want to break down is each quality that you're going to find and where you can find some scripture to back it. And I want you to start thinking about some of the men that you know and if they share some of these qualities. And then we're going to go deeper and deeper into this talk. And then we're going to show women what they need to be looking for themselves. Because look, these foundational men, they're not just for the, for the young men. They're also for the young ladies and for the women out there. I don't know any woman who's sitting there saying, man, I need to find me a bad man. Even though that might be what they're snagging right now, but for the most part, that's not what they're wanting, but they're just looking at the wrong things. So this will help you break down what it is that you want and desire in a man, because that question is asked frequently. What do you want in a man? What are you looking for? And it's usually, oh, he has to have a good job. He has to make some money. He has to be stable. He has to have a nice house, nice car. He has to be able to provide for me financially. Uh, he has to make me laugh. And see, we, you know, we miss out on these other qualities that are really important. So what did we say? We started out with love. Then there was joy, peace, long-suffering. I'm telling you, after long suffering, kindness, goodness, and then faithfulness. So with love, love is something that we got messed up from. The, we that love is a concept that is so messed up right now for us. You know, in Romans thirteen eight it says, "Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another." For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. What that is saying that love is a debt that can never be paid in full. You can never pay off the debt of love. We are to love one another, one another just as God loved us. And I'm not saying that foo-foo love. You just send a card and, and say thank you or hey, I love you, bro. I love you, man. I'm talking about this deep-seated compassionate love. The love that makes you you feel funny when you think about that person or, or that love that makes your heart flutter. I'm talking about even beyond that, you just really, really care enough to love 
under all conditions. Now, think about this. And I want you to be honest. Even with people that you know you love, have you ever, have you always been able to love them unconditionally? It's tough for us to do that alone. But with the spirit of the Lord, you can attempt to be more successful of finding that love. Why? Because his love is going to go through us and it's going to flow through us. And if he's flowing through us, we have no choice but to love like him. But without it, we cannot. And that's why we fall short on love. That's why love is so difficult for us that we've tried to dumb it down to suit our needs. But love is something that you can't dumb down. That That's that's a travesty if you're dumbing it down because it, it love conquers all. Love is the end all be all. <laughs> so why would you want to just saturate that with with silliness and messiness. We can't, we got to stop doing that stuff. Romans 13, eight, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves one another has fulfilled the law. I don't know anyone who doesn't want to be loved. It's gotten to the point that when we ask about the qualities that we want in our spouse, we don't even say love anymore. Why? Because it's highly overlooked. It's so watered down now. Or it's something that we just expect. We expect it to happen without effort. And that's just the wrong way to tackle it. Love is important. It is the most important. So we have to come to an understanding that that should be one of the first things that we're looking for is love. How does this man love other people? How does he show his love? Does he just save it for the ones that we, you're supposed to love? Or does he show his love to everyone that he encounters? You know, that's what you're looking for. Next is joy. Joy, joy, joy. We always want a sense of joy, right? How many of us have been down and out for so long that any glimmer of joy is going to uplift you? You're just searching for one glimmer of joy to make sure you're not going down deeper and deeper into the darkness to give you a sense of hope. But the problem is, is that we're searching for joy in the wrong areas. We're searching for joy in that fast life. We're searching for joy in the material things. We're thinking that if we surround our surround ourselves with people that are are smiling all the time and they seem like they're living a joyful life, that it's going to rub off on us. But what happens is we're looking and enjoy. We're looking for joy in the wrong places, right? We're looking for joy in the wrong places. We get enthralled in that. We start smiling and laughing and we we enjoy ourselves for a little bit. And then we start to find out that, man, this isn't fulfilling. I've been getting drunk every day or every weekend. I've been partying every weekend, meeting new people. But I'm still heartbroken. I haven't found joy. Why haven't you found joy? 
Check this out. John 16, 20 through 21. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. It gets deeper with this. Then it says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. And that's such a great example. Because if you've seen anyone go through birth pains, it is terrible, terrible, terrible. If you've seen anyone give birth or deliver, you know the pain that they're going through. When those contractions are going back and forth, man, I I mean, as a man, I want to take on that pain. And then I say, nah, I, I, I guess rather you than me, but I'll try to stick with you. <laughs> you know, I couldn't imagine that type of pain. I couldn't bear that type of pain. I'm not strong enough to to handle that type of pain. I can't even handle needles for Pete's sake, you know? But think about that. It's so true. The woman is going through such excruciating pain during childbirth and immediate, immediately when she hears the cries of her baby, you don't feel the pain. There's no, no more anguish, no more hardship, no more sorrow. It's just tears of joy. Tears of joy. You feel so happy. And then when you hold that baby and look at the baby in the eyes and you you feel that touch, man, I'm telling you, it is, it is the most amazing experience. And that, my friends, is true joy. That is joy. So you're not going to find joy without seeking God first. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen because here's the thing. I know you're saying, oh, Mike, I can find joy. I was happy when I was going out and doing all of these things. I was happy. And it doesn't even have to be bad things. You can go on a boat ride. You could go drive 200 miles per hour in a Lamborghini. That's one of my dreams to drive 200 miles per hour. But guess what? When you get out of that car, it's gone. It's gone. It may last a few days, maybe a week, but it's going to go. So what I'm saying is joy without Christ is temporary. It is temporary. Peace. Peace is a big one. Man, I sure would like some peace in my life. Have you ever been over your grandparents' house and you see grandpa is just always at peace? Never seems to be rattled by anything. Everything just seems to be cool. I mean, the whole house could be fighting and he's just calm as can be. Always at peace. And everybody's all loud and just talking and talking over each other. And they're just waiting for something to happen. And no one can can seem to to calm down the crowd. And then finally your grandpa says something and it's so low and such a low tone, a low tone. And he says something and everybody shuts up and listens. Maybe he says, be quiet. And everybody stops. 
no matter what happens, grandpa seems to always be at peace. That means that man is walking with, he's walking the walk and talking the talk. You want to be around him. You want to, you want to be around him so you can learn how to be at peace like that. That's a strong man. That is a very, very strong man. And being at peace with yourself like that, being quiet, just observing, blocking out the madness, staying out of the messiness, not pumping your chest saying how big and bad you are. See, we always look at that and we think that that's a weakness. Oh, he didn't say anything when I was cussing at him and calling him names. He didn't even fight me back. I'm going to kick his butt. Oh, he ain't nothing. I'm better than him. That's what people think all the time. But I'm telling you, that's not a man to play with. If you misjudge him, you have sorely mistaken. You're going to be in a world of hurt. So what does the Bible say about peace? Isaiah 40, 48, 22 says, there is no peace, says the Lord for the wicked. I don't think that needs any explanation, right? That's pretty self-explanatory. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives, but do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So what Jesus is saying is that he has gifted us his peace so that we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be afraid if we are in the spirit of God. So he was gracious enough to leave us peace. His peace. Not our form of peace, but his peace to comfort us in our time of frustration, anguish, hopelessness, whenever we're afraid, chocked with fear. He has gifted us his peace so we have a way out. Now, how awesome is that? I'm telling you, if you don't know how good God is, I... Man, you better get on that train. You better get on that train. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. And I know a lot of you listeners right now, a lot of you freshwater warriors have been long-suffering. You know, it, it is impossible to be a freshwater warrior. It is impossible to be a freshwater warrior without being long-suffering. If you're a freshwater warrior, you've been through something. And you're going to continue to go through something. But the fact of the matter is, is you know where to turn to. You know where to turn to, and, and that's a fact. That's why you have always withstood. That's why you've always come out on top. That's why you continue to overcome. Ephesians 4.2 says, With all lowliness, and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So what this is saying is that, in layman's term, these qualities 
in Ephesians that they're talking about, these qualities that we're talking about with the foundational man, they're not given naturally. You're, you're able to be long-suffering, and we make the mistake of thinking that is because we're naturally strong, we're, we're naturally built to, uh, to persevere. No, it's because of the Spirit of the Lord. Once again, what do we say? If we operate by man's standard, anything that we do alone is going to fail. Not just fail, it's going to be temporary. So you might have some success, but it ain't going to last. But those who have been long-suffering and have withstood the test of time, it's because they are entangled in the branches of, of the Holy Spirit. Kindness. Kindness, that's one of those, as my brother Nate would say, that's one of those buzz phrases. Be kind. Be kind to everyone. Treat everyone with kindness. It's one of those buzz phrases. It's, just, it's, it's something that's just popular to say, but nobody does it. People wear the T-shirts. I am kind. Be kind. Kind people are my favorite kind of people. But then they're turning around gossiping and tearing people down and not wanting to help out. Being selfish. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying anything that you guys don't know. But we see it all the time. We see it every day. That's what people are doing. So what does the Bible say about kindness? In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5-7. through 7, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. Isn't this what we're talking about right now for a foundational man? Add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. That's what we're talking about. We have to keep adding these things to our own personal qualities. So we can be a well-rounded foundational man. Keeping on the topic of kindness. Nehemiah 9.17 says, They refused to obey, and they were not mindful of your wonders that you did among them. But they hardened their necks, and in their rebellion, they appointed a leader to return to their bondage. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, and did not forsake them. Now, let me give you a little backstory of what they're talking about. This is when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt. God had worked the wonders for them. And they turned their backs to him, worshiping idols. And they even got to the point. Now, hear me when I say this. 
they got to the point where they wanted to appoint a leader to lead them back to Egypt so they can be enslaved. You heard me right. Because I'm shocked with my jaw dropped as I try to explain this to give you some backstory of what is going on here. Now, imagine your son and your daughters. You helped them out of bondage and they're frustrated because, oh, this is taking too long. Where are we going? Where? How long are we going to be out here? I w- I need this. I need that. Even though I have provided for them. Even though you have provided for them. Let's put this back on you. Even though you've provided for your kid every step of the way. And then to top it all off, they have the nerve to complain and then say, hey, guys, you know what? My parents... I don't know what they're thinking. I don't think they know what they're doing. Let's let's appoint a leader and let's just go back. At least we kind of knew what was going on back there. We knew what was going to happen, even though we didn't like those conditions and we prayed and prayed and prayed to be freed from those conditions. Let's let's get a leader to lead us back. Could you imagine how you would feel? Could you imagine the things that you would do, the things that you would say? You see, right there is an example of how God operates on a whole different level than we do. This is why you need godly love, godly kindness. And we can only receive that through the Holy Spirit. But you are God, ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in kindness, And did not forsake them. He did not abandon them. Even though it would have been. He would have had every right to. It would have been easy to. But he still. Still provided for them. Do you guys still not understand. The goodness of God. And how ironic. The next one. Goodness. Romans 2, 4. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? The goodness of God allows you to turn away from sin. Now, forbearance, patience. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness? Do you hate God's goodness so much? Do you not understand that if you believe and follow God, that you will be led to repentance? Repentance of your sins? And through repentance, you're forgiven for your sins? I mean, look at that. God is so good. Here's why he's so good. Because he did not have to send his son down to earth to die for all of us. To have this opportunity that we could be baptized 
filled with the Holy Spirit and be forgiven of our sins through, through repentance. How many of us would have made that sacrifice? None. None of us would have. So don't even try to raise your hand up. I know you feel like you would have, but none of us would have made that sacrifice. We couldn't. We would have thought, one, I'm not sacrificing my only my only son. I'm not going to do that. For what? So he can die for nothing? And then, two, it would have been hard. Even if you knew he was going to be resurrected and you were going to be with him again for for eternity, we still would have said, ah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's going to work out that way. So, nah, I'd rather just not go along with the plan. And three, we wouldn't have done it because we would have said, we would have looked down and we would have said, these people don't deserve it. They deserve what they're getting. They don't deserve to be saved. I'm just trying to put it into perspective on how good God truly is. You know, he has such a, a negative connotation with people. You know, people want to tear him down and sit here and say, well, he's this and that, and he he was part of this and that, and people were destroyed, and why do people die? Come on. You're looking at the wrong thing. I know this is going to be wild, but this is a wild, wild, wild comparison here. And I'm not saying that we're anything like God. If you know me, you know I'd never say anything like it. But what I try to do is give you an idea of how the Bible is still relevant today with examples that you may be able to connect with. And the best way I can connect the relationship with God is through my relationship and our relationships that we have with our own children. Do we not want the best for our children? Yes. Do we want to guide them through truth? Yes. Do we want them to be obedient to our word? Yes. If they are not obedient, is there a consequence? Yes. Sometimes that consequence is, mm, could be considered small. Sometimes it could be large. Sometimes we don't even bring about the consequence because there are natural consequences to their disobedience. That is, those are just facts that we live with here on earth, in the flesh. So I'm going to take it a step further. How many times have you said, if anybody lays a hand on my child, there will be hell to pay? They will feel my wrath. They will feel my vengeance. I've heard plenty of women say, hey, mama bear's going to come out. And I believe them. I know me, I, man, I said I'll choke slam anybody if they mess with my kids. So if you feel that way, what makes you think that God doesn't feel that way about us? On a greater level. You see, as I became a, a, a foundational man, as I've been building to be a foundational man, I've grown wiser. I've, I've, I've gained more knowledge through experiences and through studying. And I'm starting to have a better understanding of how God really laid out the blueprint for us. 
And it's all in the Bible. The blueprint is right there. It's right there. Everything that you need is right there. And I'm not going to lie. I used to try to test it in disbelief. I bet you there's nothing about this in there. Oh, I bet you they weren't going to going through this with uh in the ancient times. I, you know, I remember growing up in my teens, man, they weren't struggling with with relationships and uh being tested with lust and all that stuff. They weren't they weren't going through that back then. How could they? They didn't have nightclubs and things like that, did they? You know what I mean? I look in the Bible and try to find it, and I find it. I'm like, oh, for real? I dare you to just try to look something up. Get yourself a good study Bible or get yourself a a good foundational man to study with. And you'll start to see, man, this is relevant. One of the next qualities was faithfulness. Faithfulness. Psalms 119.90 says, Your faithfulness endures to all generations. You establish the earth and it, it, sorry, tongue twister. You establish the earth and it abides. God's faithfulness endures and is unfailing. That's what that is saying. It's never going to fail. He is always faithful. He is always there. He never goes away. We always talk about, oh, God left me. God didn't leave you. You turned your back. He's never going to leave. He's always here. He's waiting for you to make the decision to commit to him. He didn't turn his back. You stopped the communication. And he's kept talking to you. He kept trying to point you in the right direction and you kept ignoring it. That's how that works. There is no such thing as God losing faith. He is faith. His faithfulness endures to all generations. That includes me, you, our children, our children to come, our grandparents, our ancestors in the past. It includes everybody. You know, Hosea 6.4, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud, and like the early dew, it goes away. What is this saying? Once again, man's faithfulness is short-lived, but God's faithfulness never wavers. It will live forever. Your faithfulness It's like a morning cloud, and like the early dew, it goes away. Whatever we do in the flesh is temporary. Once again, the dew is going to be there, but it's going to go away. But God's faithfulness will not go away. I want you guys to keep thinking about these foundational men that you've encountered in your life. Maybe you had a quick conversation with the foundational man and didn't realize it. Maybe it was in passing while you were pumping gas. You didn't realize it. 
Maybe it was the guy who was always trying to date you in high school, but you know what? He was too nice. Maybe he was the guy at church that was trying to comfort you, talking to you. Maybe he was the the guy who was saying, hey, hey, man, I know you're going through through something. I, let, I'll hang with you. Let's hang out and talk and have some coffee and, and talk about the Bible, talk about sports. And you're like, nah, I'd rather go hang with these guys. Foundational men are everywhere. But see, when you see these qualities in our eyes, we think it's a weakness. It's not fun. It's not risky. It's not strength. It's not, there's no way that they can know anything. There's no any, no way that they can add to you. They can make you better. That's what we think. Gentleness. 2 Samuel twenty two thirty six. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. This was David talking, so you know, you know how that goes. When David's talking about God, you know he's being sincere. You have also given me the shield of your salvation. Your gentleness has made me great. Gentleness. You know how we talked about you have to have more than one tool in your tool belt? can't just roll around with the sledgehammer. You have to be gentle at times. Sometimes you have to finesse things. It's not always about slapping, slapping around stuff and breaking stuff or hitting stuff to make it work. Remember the old Nintendos, the first generation Nintendos? When, <laughs> when the game cartridge wasn't working, you blow in it and then you slam it into the console and then crunch it down. To make it work and then all of a sudden the game would work. There are times when that's necessary. But if you did that every time, you break your console in no time. Sometimes you need that gentle hand. And rounding up the tail end of this, self-control. Self-control, which is a big one. First Corinthians 7, 5, do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan doesn't tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now, there's other scriptures about self-control, but I thought that one was fitting because it's talking about uh, the bond of marriage. Make sure that you guys are not depriving each other because that will lead to a lack of self-control. And when you're tempted, you, you'll be tempted to do other things. But... Who doesn't like a man with self-control? You know? Self-control. How many of you have seen fights? Or maybe you watch a movie and you see a fight scene and you see this guy pumping his chest again, talking all this trash, and this guy's just standing firm. The other guy is uh, standing firm, not, not saying anything, not responding to him. Then the guy pushes him and he doesn't do anything. The guy swings on him and he he dodges it. And then all of a sudden, the, the guy that was quiet just turns away and walks away. And everybody's sitting there thinking like, man, how did he do that? And what are they thinking about the tough guy? At first, they were, they were all with the tough guy saying, yeah, he's going to kick this guy's butt. Yeah, I'm with him. He's so cool. 
Then you see the guy with self-control walk away. Now everybody's saying, man, the guy who was yelling, he's a buffoon, man. He's, he's weird with it. But this guy, I want what he wants. He's tougher than I thought. He's cooler than I thought. Let me go hang with him. But the guy with self-control, he don't want nothing to do with that. <laughs> he already saw what you're about. I'm telling you, there's some other things that go along with uh, being a foundational man. And they, they all, the next thing, the next qualities that I'm going to talk about, they're going to align with what we talked about here. And then we're going to break down even more. I know this is a little longer, but you got to trust me. It's a lot of good information. So with the foundational man, there, there is a sense of loyalty. You know, they, they're usually loyal people. And loyalty is characterized by or showing faithfulness to commitments. There's that word again. Faithfulness is up there. See how they're aligned right there already? Vows, allegiance, and obligations. You say what you mean and you mean what you say. Your word is good. Humility, not proud or arrogant, puts others before himself. All right? We talk about that. Love, kindness. What's the next one? Vision. Vision is a good one. I love vision. The act or power of anticipating that which will or may come to be. Sight beyond sight, you know? Having that sight beyond sight. They share knowledge and wisdom. Through experiences, he uh, teaches others with impaired vision. With vision, that's how you stay on your path. Without the vision, there's no hope. Uh, there's despair. There's a sense of, of feeling lost. Uh, you can. That's when people go off into that dark side and they fall off the cliff. When their vision is impaired, it can lead you nowhere but straight down the path of negativity. But when you do have that vision, that keeps you going. That's how you're able... The vision gives you hope. So when you face stumbling, stumbling, <laughs> you guys bear with me. It's kind of late and I'm kind of tired, but I'm, I'm going to power through this. So. <laughs> but you will face your stumbling blocks. And you can you know you're going to get past them because your vision in the end game is greater than what's before you. You're patient. We talked about that long suffering. All right. Quiet, steady, perseverance, even tempered, diligence, constant and earnest effort to accomplish what is under what is undertaken. Patience and they're empathetic. Relating to ability to put yourself in the shoes of others. Empathy. So if we go back up and we talk about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, we talked about that through the scripture. And what did we learn? We learned that these qualities are only through the spirit. See, if you if you have these qualities in the flesh, they're going to be temporary. It's not going to be sustainable. But when you see these qualities 
and they're consistent in a man, you know that man is walking in the spirit. So how do we get this all mixed up then? And this this part right here is for everyone, but I'm focusing on the women right now. Why do we get these mixed up? Why do we look at these qualities and we know that we want them? We know that this is what we desire, but yet when we see them, we cannot recognize them. And when we do kind of recognize them, we recognize them as a weakness. That's not good enough. Well, it's because we're looking at things through a worldly view. When you look at love, we have a love for things, materials. We love what can be provided for us. It's not that godly love. We love what can be given to us. The the support, the safety, all of those things. When it comes to joy, some of us like that excitement of that fast life. That fast life, you know, man, this guy, hes I know he's selling drugs, but look at all the cool clothes that he's wearing. Look at the people that he knows. He knows all these famous people. He has all these connections. I want a piece of that. And maybe I'll just date him for a little bit and get a couple of, uh, meet a couple of people, get a couple of jewelry or diamonds and stuff from it, and then I'll leave him. But then it's too late. You're sucked in. There is no joy in that lifestyle. It's temporary. It's going to lead you to destruction. It's going to lead you to heartache and pain. Another world, worldly view that we have of peace. We won't know any peace because we're wrapped up in ourselves. When you're putting yourself before everything and it's all about what you can gain, you're not going to know any peace. When you are rolling with people that are, are wicked and, and evil at heart, you're not going to know peace. You're always going to be looking over your shoulder. This is a problem. This is why you can't recognize peace. You think peace is, is, is the little sense that you feel when everything is going right. When you're living in the nice neighborhood because of the wrong choice that you made in, in, in a partner. When he's living that fast life, making the quick money. But you're benefiting off of it. And then all of a sudden that peace goes away because what? He goes to jail. Maybe he gets killed. Maybe you you get put in a position where you're almost killed because other people are after him. Long-suffering, not willing to stand in the fire. When you're selfish, you're not going to be willing to stand in the fire. Why would you stand in the fire for this man? Why would this man stand in the fire for you when both you, when both of you are using each other? So that relationship isn't going to last. That's not built on a solid foundation. When things get rough, it's going to be easy to quit. It's going to be easy to say, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. There's no long suffering in that. So you guys have to understand that you're going to have to through any relationship, you're going to have to stand in that fire. And if you're not with the right person who's going to stand in that fire with you, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. Good old kindness. Have you ever been in a relationship where someone was kind to you only when they wanted something?
For some of you, that's your own kids. Because you set up that relationship that way. But I think for a lot of us, men and women, we've been in relationships where we felt like we were being used. And then we fall for the trick of someone being kind to us. And then ultimately we found out when it was too late that they really wanted something from us. And then we never hear from them again. Or maybe we do when they need something and then they fake like they're kind again. See, that, that that's the worldly view of kindness. And this is why we get tripped up on all of these awesome, awesome qualities that are so desirable that you should want. I'm telling you, if you were in a relationship with a foundational man, all of these things are going to be fulfilled for you. And it's not just going to be fulfilled for you. It's going to make you want to be a better woman as well. It's going to make you grow. It's going to challenge you to keep going, to do things differently. You're going to want to be in this relationship because you know that your man is going to do whatever it takes to stand with you. He's going to treat you the way you've always thought you should be treated, even better. But see, we miss the mark because we start looking at it from a worldly view and not from a spiritual view. And when you don't look at it from a spiritual view, this is where we find our trouble. Kindness. We're looking at kindness wrong. Goodness. Goodness. How does he treat people? Is he an opportunist? Is he only good to people when he's trying to make a deal and smooth people over? Is he only good for to people when he's going to gain something? Or is he good to all people? Even in anger. Even in frustration. Once again, <laughs> we got to stop looking through our lens. Because we're missing the mark. We're missing all of these things, even with the men. Some of your friends, you're wondering why, man, why, why do my friends keep using me? Why do my friends keep getting over on me? I thought they were my friends. Why do they keep lying to me? Well, let's see. Are they hitting the mark of being a foundational man? Are we looking at them through the spiritual lens or the, or the worldly lens? Gentleness. Does he handle your feelings with care? Or does he always bring out the sledgehammer for every little thing? Is he playing the PlayStation, get frustrated with the game, and then he starts cursing at you and yelling at you and pushing you around over a video game? When you're feeling down and you had a rough day at work, is he telling you just to get over it? And slamming the door in your face? I mean, is that his MO for every little thing that goes on? If there's not enough salt in his food, is he throwing a fit? If he doesn't get his way at work, is he raising hell? 
if his friends say they can't hang out and he really wanted to hang out and there was a change of plans, is he taking it out on you? I mean, I could go on and on and on. Like I said, does he handle your feelings with care, with a gentle touch? Does he take the time to listen and say, hey, you know what? I just want you to know I'm all ears for you. I, I want to hear what you, what you have to say. I want to hear how you feel. And then he listens. And afterwards, does he say, I'm here for you. You guys, I'm telling you, these things, these little things. See, we want to make excuses. We see dudes flying off the handle all the time, and they say, oh, that's just one time. He'll change because he loves me. Well, how is he going to love you when we have the wrong idea of love? Well, we were happy together. How is that joy going to last when it was based off of wickedness? Well, we've been through so much together. Okay. All that chaos was created by you guys. And it's not going to withstand the test of time. I mean, I can go through all of this. He's only kind when he wants something from you. He's only good to people when he wants something from them, when he has an opportunity to, to take something from them. Faithfulness. Faithful in his decisions. Is he faithful in his decisions? Does he say what he means and mean what he says? And then last but not least, self-control. Does he take a bite out of every apple that is presented to him? Or is he able to say, nah, I'll pass on that? You know, it's like gambling. Some people don't have self-control when it comes to gambling. That's why it's wise not to do it. I've just been blessed that I don't have a... a, a a knack for gambling. It's just, it doesn't interest me. It's not my type of thing. I don't, I don't care to do that. It doesn't give me a rush. It's more anxiety ridden for me, <laughs> you know, and I don't, the few times I bet it, it wasn't like I bet a lot of money, just $20 here and there. Cause I wanted to make sure if it was, uh, it was something I wouldn't miss. I don't like it. I've tried it. I don't like it. It's not for me. But some, pe some people have a lack of self-control. When you drink alcohol, are you always drinking the whole bottle? Or can you just have a simple drink and call it good? You know what I mean? But when you look at it, when you look at this worldly view with all of these foundational qualities of a man, it, it, it's summed up to this. What can I gain? That is why we miss the mark, because we're looking at, looking at it from a selfish lens. What can I gain? What can I gain? And that is why we miss the mark. Men and women, we miss the mark with foundational men. We miss them as friends. We miss them as husbands. We miss the mark with them because our view 
is so twisted and messed up that we're looking at these views as, as, as weaknesses. We're looking at these qualities as weaknesses. I said it over and over, but I'm trying to drive it home that we have messed this up. And so for the women that are listening, when you look at these qualities, you got to look at it from a spiritual lens and you got to look at, and, and here's the thing. Here's another thing. If a man is showing you these qualities, believe it. If he's showing you any other qualities, believe that too. The negative too. You know what I mean? But there's a difference. Like if, it, for instance, the guy that's flying off the handle, unable to be gentle in any situation. You know it. You've seen it. He's shown you that over and over. What do you think you're going to do that's going to change that? And is it even worth that time to try to change it? Why would you want to bring that kind of mess, that kind of chaos into your life? Because by yourself alone, life alone will make it chaotic for you. It's hard enough. So why would you want to entertain that? Why would you think that the excitement of this fast life that this guy brings is going to uplift you? See, I mean, we get in our own way with a lot of things. You know, I I know it sounds like I'm picking on, on the ladies, but I'm not. I'm just trying to get you to understand that next time someone asks you what you want in a man, you now have a checklist that says, I want a man that shows love, that is joyful, that is at peace, that is long, that is long suffering, that is kind, a spiritual kindness, good. He's good to people. He's faithful. He's gentle and he has self-control. You can go down this checklist now. You don't have to say, well, uh, he has to be good looking, six feet tall, 200 pounds, full of muscle, uh, brown skin, light skin, tan skin, doesn't matter, awesome hair, a faux hawk, money in the bank, he has to drive a BMW, he has to have a house for himself. See, all that stuff, that's all leading back to I. So when I said that this message was for the women as well, well, what I did for you is I did the hard part for you and I gave you a checklist of what should be desirable for you, what you should be looking for in a man. You're welcome. I'll be signing autographs for you at uh, on my birthday, all right? We'll, we'll do that on my birthday, May 19th, 2 o'clock Central at some place to be determined. All right. I'll have an autograph session. <laughs> All right. I'm just playing. So let's move on. So what's the problem now? Now we have our foundational men. We have the qualities. We broke them down. Now, what is the issue? Well, the issue is, is that these foundational men we're not forming together. We're trying to tackle this problem separately. And it may be pride and ego separating us. It might be uh, just fatigue, apathy. It might be, there's a lot of different reasons why this isn't happening, why we're not banding together, why we're not unifying together. But this is the problem though. That's the problem. See, we need to get together and band together. It doesn't matter whose idea it is doesn't matter because we're all going to be led by God anyway. It's his plan. 
but we need to band together to take control of the situation of our young men being influenced by other men that are not foundational men. And that's why we have this mess that we have now. We have men abandoning their kids. We have women saying that they don't need a man. We have these kids being raised by, uh, you know, a single parent household. We get have these these kids being raised. And then not, now, don't get me wrong. I know it could work in a single family household. But I'm saying if you have a foundational man that could be there mm-hmm. every day, uh, yeah, I'm going to say that's 10 times better. But that's why we have this problem. We have our kids being raised by YouTube and TikTok and all of these things and uh, music, entertainers, movies. Our kids are being influenced by all of those things. And so they're getting their idea of what it is to be a man through them. Just like I was influenced by He-Man as a kid. Now they're influenced by these people clowning around saying all this outlandish stuff, glorifying evil, doing all of these things. And then we have the audacity as parents because we just need a break and a place of respite to just give our kids. And I'm I'm not talking at you guys. I'm talking I'm I'm guilty of this too. But we give our kids leeway on the internet. And we all know how the internet works. All it takes is one click. One click. And you're at the point of no return. You better hope that you catch it. So how do we come together? And why why is it important to come together? Psalms 133.1 How good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity? How pleasant would it be if all these foundational men across the globe got together and banded together in their communities and said, we're, we're, we're tired of this. You're not going to terrorize our neighborhoods. You're not going to do any of this stuff. And you know what? If my kids are acting up, my neighbor is going to correct them. And if their kids are acting up, I'm going to correct their kids too. And we're going to be okay with that. Why? Because we know that we're operating under God's guidance. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if you lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Once again, you have an intruder. You have an intruder in your neighborhood trying to infiltrate, trying to bring nothing but chaos into your neighborhood. They might be able to stand against one foundational man and say, forget you. They might be able to stand against two, but they ain't going to stand against three. But see, what did we talk about in the first episode? That people have become so, not people, I'm going to say it, foundational men have become so comfortable doing nothing. Oh, that's not my problem. Well, I hope it doesn't enter into my household. Bro, he's right down the block. What do you think is going to happen? 
if you don't step up and do anything, if you don't say anything. And if you're afraid to say something, then you need to be aligned with other foundational men that aren't afraid. And at least you can stand firm with them. You don't always have to be at the forefront. But you have to be present and be there and willing to do something. And I know you guys might be thinking I'm talking about violence. I'm not talking about violence. It doesn't take violence. All it takes is them to see that people are standing firm and they're serious about keeping their neighborhood safe. They're serious about keeping their schools safe. They're serious about their kids' education. They're serious about keeping this park uh, rid of, keeping this park, you know, away from all the drugs and stuff. They don't want to have their kids playing where there's needles laying around and alcohol uh, cans that aren't fully empty laying around so they can dabble into it. Nobody wants that. And we're always so, well, I'll just call the police. What are the police going to do? Police don't care about that. But we could do something by standing firm and saying we ain't going to tolerate this. And here's a, here's another kicker. I'm a, I'm a, I'm sorry, man. I'm gonna put you on blast because when I'm talking, I'm talking about me too. I can do more, but too many times we have the women at the forefront, and I do love that. I love that. I love seeing a strong woman. I do love that, but we need to be at the front. We need to be at the front. Prime example, not too long ago, maybe a month ago, the family left. Someone didn't shut the door, apparently. The door was wide open when we got back. It was becoming dark. It was right at dusk. Light was going down. Sun was going down. It was pretty dark. Not fully yet. Doors wide open. I look at the door. I immediately look at my family. I yell to him, no, get back, don't go in there. Get in the car, don't go in there, I'm going in. If something happens, you drive off, call the police. There was no way I was as strong as my wife is. There was no way I'm having her at the front of that. And I'm playing back behind her. That ain't, that ain't how it's supposed to work. Even though I know she's fully capable, that's not how it's supposed to work. And in my household, that's never how it's going to work. So that same mentality on how it is in my household is the same mentality that I feel for the community. So all of us foundational uh, men need to get together and be at the forefront of this. Period. We ain't got time to be getting offended over this stuff. I'm offended that we've let it get this far. I'm offended that every day I go to work, I have to deal with this mess. I'm offended that I've been dealing with this for, for 20 plus years now in the work field. And I see it getting worse and worse and worse. And the problem is, is that not just myself, a lot of men know how to fix this problem, but we just can't seem to get, a, get together to uh, fix this problem. We're always saying, what can I do? I don't know. I don't know. No, we do know. We just, we got to start caring enough to do something. 
Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs 27, 6, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. See, what he's saying is that, you know what, you and your friends, we're going to have disagreements. We're going to get into to arguments and we it's just going to happen. We're human. But you know what? A wound from a friend is greater than a kiss from an enemy. An enemy is going to kiss you and over and over trying to take advantage of you. That wound from a from your friend is because you guys truly love each other. You guys are going to fix it. The classic Proverbs 27, 17. I know all you guys know this one. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Once again, that's why it's important that us as foundational men get together. We have to get together. We got to just stop talking about it and we need to be about it. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Just as in fact you are doing. We need foundational men around us so we can keep encouraging each other and building each other up. That's one of the reasons why I said that we are, we're falling short, right? We're falling short because we're out there trying to do it all alone. We can't do this alone. And then Proverbs 14, 7, probably one of my favorites, all right, because it's straight to the point. Stay away from a fool, for you will not find knowledge on their lips. See, we've been hanging around foolish people for too long. We've been hanging around foolishness for way too long, and it's time to stop that. We've been thinking that these foolish lips are going to lead to some kind of groundbreaking knowledge, and it hasn't. Why? Because it never will. So what do we do? We leave them alone and we join together with foundational men. Without foundational men, we are allowing young men to be corrupted. By who? We're allowing these men who don't care, these men who are selfish, these men who are out for themselves, who's all about me, 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 who don't have the knowledge, who don't have the wisdom, who are being led by wickedness and evilness. They're not being led by the spirit. We're letting them dictate the direction of the future. And that is the problem. So how do we stop this? We stop this by banding together. We stop this by saying enough is enough. So when you have a group of foundational men, we got to start talking, taking the conversation further than just sports. I love sports. Don't get me wrong, but we got to take this conversation further than, than sports. And then when it becomes uh, a conversation of the youth and where that's going, we got to stop saying, well, it wasn't like that in my time. That's not enough. And who cares? Maybe it wasn't like that. Maybe it was and we just didn't know because we didn't have so much access back then. But the bottom line is, who cares? It's bad now. What are you going to do about it? We got to stop talking about it. We need to be about it. So, guys, I know that I took up so much of your time, but I thank you for being patient. I thank you, thank you, thank you for being patient with me.
guys, I'm excited with with this series. I love what it, where it's going. And next week, we're going to have a nice little dynamite episode for you guys. Uh, I wish I could get a group of a nice panel of men to, to get together. I'm going to try to work on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into a studio. The, what I have, the equipment that I have isn't, isn't deep enough for that. But I'm going to try to work that out before this season ends. All right. So I want to have that. And then I also I'm going to do something for the women. I'm going to have some some guest speakers on talking directly to the women, encouraging you guys. And, and from there. We're just going to be doing some great things. Okay, so this fourth season is kicking, is getting kicked off with a bang, and I'm happy about it, and I uh, love the patience. I love the support. Remember, guys, we're in the business of healing and not hurting, and remember to be the fresh water that heals in a salty environment. Until we meet again, my friends.